Is this thing on? KRNU Studios. In 1974, Lois Howe and her third grade students at Auburn Calvert Elementary School in Lincoln had an idea. According to Visit Nebraska, they began a campaign, taking their calls all the way to the unicameral. But they were rooting for neither politician nor policy. Instead, they were advocating for a small, buzzing insect, the honeybee. Welcome to 93 Counties. I'm Remy Vockel. Today on the show, we visit Blair, located in Washington County. For reference, Blair is a 30-minute drive north of Omaha. I visited with local beekeeper Tony Damy, who returned to the hobby after a long hiatus. Damy started working with bees when he was 14. He said his dad bought his first bees in 1978, which served as the family business. Gradually, they moved away from beekeeping altogether. After I graduated college, I got, I got out of it. We kind of sold everything off. But after a 10-year break, his interest in bees drew him back in. Personally, I love the bees. I always told everybody, honey is a byproduct of, the, of having the bees. I just think they're fascinating. I can sit there and I'll, I can pull my frame out and I can watch them forever. I can stand up there and watch them going out of the hive. Dammy owns Dammy Good Honey and has hives in Blair and Clearwater. He raises bees with his dad, John, who owns J&J Apiaries with his girlfriend, Judy. Together, they have 300 hives. For context, there could be anywhere from 10,000 to 80,000 bees in each hive. Dammy said the way they operate today is comparable to how they would have operated the hives in the 70s. And is the technique similar to what you would have done? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't change much? Not much. Mm-mm. Dammy said you can find various flavors of honey in regions throughout the country. In Nebraska, the sweeter varieties like alfalfa and sweet clover make the base of the regular honey, which are a craft fair customer favorite. Dammy sells regular and flavored honey. He said he enjoys messing around with unique flavors like dill pickle and bacon. We've had some fails, but we've had some pretty good successes also. Dammy's Blair-based hive is where he experiments with different mite treatments and feeding techniques. He said he tries to figure out how to help the bees survive through the winter. Two years ago, he lost all his bees due to the cold temperatures. Trying to figure out how to, how to get them through the winter is probably the biggest challenge. And, and every time you kind of look and go, is this really worth doing all this and then losing everything? We drove out to his hives just south of his home near Blair. His bees live in boxes. Three rows of white boxes, stacked on a pallet in the middle of a clearing. They're pretty much the only thing on Dammy's property besides his house and a playground. When we checked in on the bees, it was overcast. Dammy said that meant most of them would be at home in the hive. So I'm going to light the smoker. Inside the boxes are 10 frames, which can be removed for honey collection and bee observation. Dammy mainly gets his hives from a distributor in Texas, but sometimes he gets lucky, and the bees come on their own. That was actually somebody, somebody's bees around this area swarmed into my box. And that was kind of a blessing. Yep, that's like, we call them freebies. Okay. <laughs> Dammy took apart the box layer by layer to show how the bees move throughout the hive. I'm going to take the top off here, and the first thing you'll see is a candy board, which is, this is 
hard sugar that they chew on throughout the winter. If you look right here, you can kind of see some bees up there working on, looking at If you see here, this. When inspecting a hive, Dammy looks for red flags. Um, the, the first thing I'm looking for is to making sure there's no, like, I don't see any hive beetle, any wax moth, any, any disease, like stuff like that that's bad. Mice. Uh, I, found, I found mice, I found snakes, I found a lot of different things inside of a hive that aren't good. This is what a frim honey looks like. Hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then we have a knife that goes in and then just cuts these off. Right. So that that honey can be spun out. Mm-hmm. So then you, do you do anything with the wax? Um, we, we melt it down and we sell it like to the, a bee shop or okay. some people just buy it. I, mean, I, I got some of some stores that people buy like for candles or mm -hmm. for lip balm or, mm -hmm. or that kind of stuff. Um, but that's what a frame of honey would look like mm -hmm. when it's done. Um, oop, 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 don't do that. Don't let go mad. Then he checks on the queen. Um, so she, she lays all the eggs that makes all the bees, right? Without her, they got nothing. Um, she's looked healthy. Um, so I was excited to see that. Luke Norris takes care of beehives and helps with research through UNL's Bee Lab. He says bees play an important role in Nebraska's ecosystem. And they are uh, a portion of our uh, agro, you know, uh, food system is essentially dependent upon them for pollination. And so, you know, if we didn't have the bees, you know, we would be uh, having a lot less food available. I think it's like one third of what we you know, currently uh, kind of consume, you know, the supermarkets of, of, uh, of produce. Norris said sometimes companies outside of the U.S. add fillers like rice syrup to their honey. This can make it unclear whether the imported honey is pure. So the benefit of knowing your local beekeeper would be that you would know, in fact, that it was 100% honey rather than, you know, potentially um, a questionable product. Graduate students in the bee lab are working on a number of research projects ranging from analyzing hive structures to making hygienic testing more accessible for beekeepers. Hygienic testing allows beekeepers to freeze larvae inside of cells to observe them and see if they would be able to withstand challenges, like varroa mites. I, I do see that, that that is, in my opinion, the direction that beekeeping is going, is doing more, um, uh, doing um, people breeding for um, hygienic bees to, to better deal with the mites. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, honeybee colonies began to experience a significant yearly decline in 2006. Some beekeepers reported a loss of 30 to 90% of their hives. This decline is part of a phenomena called colony collapse disorder, or CCD. Although the percent of losses that are attributed to CCD have decreased in more recent years, Norris said Nebraskan honeybees are subject to many threats. One thing that I've um, learned over time is just the fact that um, bees really are livestock and so you they really need to be managed um, if you just kind of they haven't actually really naturalized to you know the United States so like if there is a, a feral hive they usually don't do quite as well as if they were managed. Norris said a main goal of the bee lab is to help beekeepers better manage their bees. Um, yeah just teaching beekeepers um, to be more knowledgeable, to be able to better manage their hives. Nora said the most significant factors contributing to a decline in honeybee population are mites, pesticides, and a lack of forage. Nebraska's fluctuating weather can also have an impact on hives, because bees thermoregulate in order to stay warm. Um, and it seems like 
Nebraska's weather is a little harsher than a few other places, um, even more north, because even more north, the, the temperature stays kind of a consistent cold, um, which isn't as hard on the bees. In addition to working in the bee lab, Norris is the secretary of the Nebraska Beekeepers Association. Last year, he took part in their youth scholarship program and mentored a student interested in beekeeping. I think it's a, a, a great uh, thing for just helping, you know, um, more people kind of become interested in beekeeping and have the opportunity to, to do beekeeping. Norris, Dammy, and their fellow beekeepers are a community. Dammy said one way he connects with fellow beekeepers in the state is through Facebook. So there's a lot of, you know, people try different things. Hey, this works for me, that doesn't work for me. You know, the community shares a lot of that stuff. One way to save the bees? Make more queens. Dammy said he wants to start expanding his ability to make new queen bees in the future. I would like to start making more queens and selling queens and to help increase the population, right? Because that's, you know, we've, we've heard about colony collapse. Um, I, I want to make sure I can do my part on making queens. Norris said breeding queens in the Midwest could be a step in adapting them to the area. Part of the problem here in the Midwest is a lot of the, um, like, packaged bees or queens that we get in the Midwest are generally from um, out of the area. A lot of um, queens and packages come from California, so, you know, different climate altogether. Nebraskans who want to create a better environment for honeybees have options, Norris said. So we're encouraging people to plant more pollinator-friendly plants to, to help provide food for bees and also try to reduce, you know, the use of pesticides where they can would be the, the main things that I would encourage people to do to just help the bees if they don't have a beehive. So for those who aren't quite ready to zip up their suits and start their own hive, there's still a lot they can do to help honeybees thrive throughout the state. For local beekeepers like Tony Dammy, bees provide much more than fresh honey. Uh, but for me, it's just the fascination of watching them, looking at them, seeing what they do every day, how those one little bee can make so much honey. Um, just being around them. They're kind of a, I call therapy for me. This episode was hosted, reported, and produced by me, Grammy Vockel, in collaboration with the Nebraska News Service and 90.3 KRNU. 93 Counties is a KRNU Studios production from the College of Journalism and Mass Communications at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Thanks for listening.